Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Toffee Web Podcast. Another Everton corner. stands and we're back at Everton 1, Tottenham 1. And I'm now hearing that that goal has been credited to Jack Harrison. Idrissa Gay to win it back. That's Dragusin again. On Beto again. This time Everton do get their free kick. Temperatures are rising at the end here. Can they make anything of the set play? In from Garner. Always a ton of head that got there and in with Brantwick. They have got their goal in the 94th minute. Jared Brantwick and Everton have got it back to 2 2. It's a massive result for us. Obviously, going, going down early in the game, um, I think we showed a real team mentality to get back into it and then going down again, but I think that's what. We've done this season, you know, we're fighting right to the end in these games and we're giving ourselves the best possible chance of picking up points. I've got to be honest, there's a lot of good comes out of that performance and we're stretched to the limit here, you know, and everyone played their part, the subs came on and made a difference, the mentality was fantastic and the crowd as well, so when it's connected like that, then we're, I, I still, I always say we can be very competitive, I believe. Oh, 
Hello, Blues, and welcome to the latest edition of the Toffee Web Podcast, coming to you in the wake of Everton's 2 all draw with Tottenham Hotspur at Goodison Park, and in the lead-up to perhaps the most feared and dreaded fixture on the calendar, alongside perhaps the Anfield derby, and that is the trip to Manchester City on Saturday. The point against Spurs maintained the Toffees' unbeaten run in the Premier League since the turn of the year, adding another point to a slowly increasing tally, but we are, of course, still in the relegation zone, and barring a miracle at the weekend at the Atihad. Uh, that situation probably won't change soon, at least not until Everton have what I think we'd all agree is a better shot at registering their first league win of 2024 against Crystal Palace under the lights on the 19th. Uh, to chew it all over, on this episode, I'm joined by esteemed Evertonian and author Paul McParlin. As Paul, great to have you back on. How are you, my friend? Yeah, fine, thank you, Linda. Thanks for having me on the pod today. And yeah, as ever with Everton, lots of things to talk about, lots of things to view, lots of things to discuss. And uh, it, you know, it, it's always interesting times at Goodison these days. But it was, certainly was a, you know, a quite an enjoyable experience at Goodison Park on Saturday. Well, let's start with that Spurs game. Um, our third successful <laughs> draw in the league, salvaged at the death by Jared Branthwaite's first Goodison goal. Uh, when it looked as though it was going to be Richarlison's day in the wrong team colours, if you can call what Spurs were wearing a colour. Uh, overall, yeah, yeah. Uh, how did you see it? A fair result? Yeah, I think at the end of the day it was a fair result. <clears throat> I thought I thought we were the better team in the first half. I thought we were quite unlucky to be trailing at half-time. Uh, the, the first... When, after the restarts, I thought we sat back a little bit too much to maybe the first 20, 25 minutes or so. And then... I thought the substitutions had a positive effect on Everson's impetus, and uh, towards the end, I think Tottenham were were hanging on dearly. And uh, you know, we, obviously, we were delighted to get the point. It, it, it's all it's always tempered by the fact you're celebrating, but you just know that it's going to go so far, and, and yeah. you're just never quite sure whether it's going to stand or not. We, which you know, makes the experience watching live football incredibly frustrating at times. Uh, and even more so when you think the people watching home on TV know the VAR decision before you in the stage know, which is always quite 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 annoying. I, I'm a paying customer. You know, I, I, I should know first what's going on before the armchair fan. But um, it, it, it was good to see us come back from uh, having been behind twice, which I think is the first time we've done that this season. Uh, and... I, th- I thought the resilience of the team was quite commendable. Um, and I would say, yeah, yeah I mean, Richarlison, you, you just knew he was going to score against it. It, yeah. it, it, <laughs> it, it, it just it, it just went without saying. But um, I, thought, I thought tactically, I mean, Sean Dice doesn't particularly get praise for his tactical innovation, but him and his coaches had obviously decided there was a weak point to work on there with Tottenham. And they certainly, you know, did, did they, they tried and tried again to, you know, to exploit that potential weakness and it, it certainly he paid dividends in the end um, so yeah uh, overall quite pleased with the draw disappointed that Luton then went to Newcastle and, and scored another four goals and got a point but all we can do is control our own games <clears throat> and we're still in a situation where looking at our running particularly some of the home games we've got coming up I still feel that you know if we can put a run together at home we should have enough Regardless of any points being reimbursed or additional points being taken off us, we, we can still <laughs> manage to keep our heads above the water. And so, yeah, it, it was also what I enjoyed about Saturday was I'd been to the Aston Villa game, I didn't find that particularly remarkable. I'd watched the Fulham game on TV, equally, it was pretty unremarkable. Yeah. And I actually felt, I actually felt entertained on Saturday for a change. It was a, a game that swung both ways. And I thought some of the passing from Everson in the first half in particular was close to being of the highest standard I've seen this season. So, yeah, 
a last-minute equaliser always gives you an added buoyancy coming out of the game. Of and, course, and certainly, yeah. Bradbury Taylor did that. But looking back and reflecting on it 24 hours later, I, I thought it was a very credible, very creditable performance. What, what was your uh, opinion of it? Then? Yeah, I find myself, and I thought I've sort of made the point on a couple of the more recent podcasts, I find myself wrestling with the, you know, the, the sort of the standard of the play that I think, I think Deitch has made this calculation that given the fact that we're very stretched, and the fact, obviously, we couldn't make any additions in the transfer market that he's got what he's got and he's going to set the team out to just, number one, be difficult to beat, which is obviously, I think, they, we, we can all agree that, he's, that he and his staff have done very, very well. You know, I, just, I think we're now top of the long ball table, which, which I think is, <laughs> it would, would come as no surprise to anyone. Um, and so as someone... You know, who sort of who grew up watching the, the sort of late '80s team, mm-hmm. catching the, the the tail end of the '80s glory and that sort of early '90s team, and this was obviously the time of the crazy gang in Wimbledon. I mean, that that kind of <clears throat> it jars a little bit with my uh, with my <laughs> my more sort of purist <laughs> proclivities. But I mean, at the end of the day, as I say, we are where we are. We we are very very stretched. Uh, we're clearly missing some some key players. I mean, Decore obviously is is the one. Is obviously the key miss for 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 what for whatever reason he makes everything tick, um, and so I think, like you, I agree that we we did sort of sit back a bit in the, in the second half, and I think we did resort to the long ball a bit too easily, and uh, we all remember the Newcastle game when we put together a thirty pass move to to, to score a goal. Mm. The, the players can do it; it's there in their makeup. Um, I just think that perhaps sometimes we do sort of fall back on 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 the long ball. Um, a bit too too easily, and obviously, depending on the opposition, that can be uh, a more profitable tactic than than others. I mean, certainly, you know, Calvert Lund looks very isolated up there when Decore is not there, um, because Jack Harrison, obviously, for all his endeavour off the ball, um, he's not sort of the greatest pairing with a striker. But mm-hmm. again, he is what we have, and so I think you know, with with Deitch cutting his cloth um, to to what he has. I mean, as long as we keep picking up points, I don't think you can have too many, too many arguments. I think, obviously, longer term, this is a conversation for far down the road. Obviously, but we'd, I think, we'd all like to be playing better football. But right now, survival is is, is of paramount importance. And um, as you say, and I think I mentioned last on last week's pod, we do have some games coming up over this last stretch of the season where <laughs> you would think there are enough points to be gathered. And again, appeals and and second PSR charges notwithstanding, that we should be okay. Um, and I think if we can just if we can just start finding the net on a regular basis, uh, we'd be away from that bottom three in no time um, because of that that defensive foundation we now have. I think we're among the top three, is it, for the defensive records in the Premier League? Which really is, you know, given uh, given the fact that we are so stretched, is quite remarkable. Yeah, it's, it's very encouraging as well, isn't it, London? And uh, yeah, I mean, go back to Saturday's game as well. I think, you know, I mentioned before, the substitutions, in my view, kind of a, had a real positive impact on the game. And I was kind of reflecting at the end of the game that you look at like so, of Lewis Dobbin and Yusuf Chimisi, I think, how do they develop as players? Because if they're getting thrown on for 10 minutes at the end of every game, when, when inevitably we're chasing something, have an equaliser or, or a winning yeah. goal, the press they must be under from when the moment they come on. 
And I just wonder, what's the mindset of these players? They come on in such an intense atmosphere. They know they've got 10 minutes to prove themselves. It's not as if they're playing for the team which rotates squads regularly like, like, like Man City can do. You know, Sean Dice you know, likes to field a settled, a settled 11 week in, week out. He's also not big at making in-game substitutions. So you do look like such a Missy and Dobbin thing. How do they progress as players? And in terms of which you miss it, I was kind of thinking, might it not have been better to load them back to sports and listen for three months until Christmas, get them up to standard, and then bring them back in January, same as what we did at Ellison uh, the season before. Yeah. And then at least, you know, you, you know, he's developed a bit as a player. I, I know it's a difficult decision. I, I appreciate that. Um, but I was quite impressed with Lewis Dobbin once again. You know, he, he brought a bit of vibrancy, a bit of energy, and he, he starts running at the top and defenders at a time when I don't think they're quite expecting that. And his through ball for Chimisi, which he really should have scored from, yes. it, 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 it really was, you know, uh, it really was skillful. It cut the defence open that they hadn't anticipated it. And uh, you just wonder, there, you know, you know, there's a bit of a player there, you know, and... You kind of wonder, you know, should he be given more than just ten minutes? You know, maybe build this up a little bit more. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I was going to ask you whether just you think in general, Deitch's um, substitutions could be made earlier. I mean, I think my personal opinion is, and again, I'm going back to the same, the same argument where I think he's just trying to wring as much as it, as much as he can out of the players that he knows he can trust, and obviously ones that are, would be less of a risk. Uh, obviously, the younger players would would fall into that category. So I just think that uh, sometimes I'd like him to make earlier changes, but I can understand why he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, likewise, uh, because you know, the priority you know, from his perspective is you know it, it, it's to make sure we don't we don't lose a home, you know, exactly, and yeah. then we try to get the draw, or even better, try and get the win. But you look at Lexi Dobb, think well in the position where he plays. You don't particularly see him being a risk coming on a little bit earlier in that position because it certainly added more drive to the uh, attack on Saturday. Because I just thought by that stage, Tottenham were quite comfortable with us, apart from the, you know, the call. And even the calling, McNeil was struggling with the call in the second half of thoughts. And he looks, he looks, I don't know what you think, but. I think he looks he looks absolutely shattered, man. Yeah. And you, you, you're kind of thinking, well, is this serving any purpose driving him into the ground, given the you know the fixtures we have coming up? Might it not be better to give him a bit of a breather, bring somebody else in for a little bit longer and uh, you know, to see what these players can do? Yeah, I'm just saying um, Dobbin Dobbin started at Doncaster, didn't he? <clears throat> I, I'm not sure. I'm not. Sure. I'm not sure. Yes, he did. I mean, yeah, he, he played the first half, and he, yeah. like Chimiti, they were both removed at halftime. And I, I think yeah. both both of them looked they looked out of their depth, honestly, against the yeah, lower yeah. league team. And so that was my concern about both those players: was are they actually going to be able to make the step up? But I think Dobbin, in particular, the, 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 the few times he's come on recently, has looked really, really useful. And maybe that's his role, is that kind of super sub role. But I agree. I think I'd like to see him given a bit more time, maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes, to really try and impact something. Because, as you say, I like the fact that he's very direct. Um, I don't think we have enough players who are just willing to commit uh, commit mm-hmm. a player and, and sort of give them something yeah. to think about and certainly get towards you know get towards the byline. I think maybe that's my, my biggest gripe with the team right now is, you know, we, we don't have any sort of over, overlaps. We don't don't mm. get to the byline very, very often. And you can see both of Tottenham's goals came by that route. Yeah. It can be very effective. Yeah. Now, obviously, if you're committing fullbacks, you know, the, the flip side of that obviously is if you get turned over in possession, then you're in big mm-hmm. trouble. And I mm-hmm. think that's that's a calculation, again, that I think Deitch is making, that he's trying to play as conservatively as he can, try and grind out as many points as uh, 
as we can. But where Chimiti in particular is, is concerned, I actually am getting the feeling that he might be, and he obviously came on before Beto on Saturday, he might actually be a better like-for-like change for Calvert-Lewin than Beto. And I'd be actually be interested. I would like to see him get a few more minutes. <clears throat> I think he's um, he think he's tidier in possession than Beto. Uh, I think Beto just gives you that that almost uh, unpredictable nature for both <laughs> for both us and the opposition. You know, um, so I think there's definitely a role for him. But I would like to see Chimiti given a bit more get a bit more time as as the man who comes on for Calvert Lewin just to see if he can be the the difference maker. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I think Chimichi's played 23 minutes since the start of the year. And you can think maybe he's been a little bit underutilised there. Uh, what I did like about Chimichi as well, not in the in the losing game, I liked the bit, he, uh, he was in a bit of a flare-up on the defenders when the ball went out of play. I thought, yeah, yeah I like that little bit of aggression. You know, bit of it a bit of an edge. Yeah, yeah a bit, bit of an edge that I didn't quite realise he, he had as, as part of his makeup. So that was a, that, that, that was that was quite positive to see, I thought. Um yeah, and Lewis Dobbin, once again, I think he's played 60 minutes in total since he scored against Chelsea. And you, you do kind of wonder, you know, is there a reason for that? You know, mm. surely he could have, you know, you, you, you looked at those two cup games against Crystal Palace and were they not the opportunities to give, you know, Dobbin and Chimichi a bit of a longer run in the team? Uh, because he made the change with longer for Pickford, which I 100% support because we need a goalkeeper fit and ready Pickford where to get injured. And I just felt, I just felt that was a wasted opportunity in the cup games to maybe give some of these French players, not necessarily to start them, but certainly to give them more time, give them half an hour or so to make an impact. Yeah, certainly, certainly in hindsight, the way things all turned out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, was it um, Dobbin only came on in the 77th minute, I think, against... Um... Against uh, in the replay, and then obviously Chimiti didn't make it on at all. So yeah, I agree. I agree. But um, you know, I think it's at the moment it's just trust Deitch, isn't it? It's it's all you can uh, yeah, all you can really yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you know, there is no alternative, is there? And, and uh, <laughs> yeah. if once again he keeps us up this season, given the background of, of you know the yeah. club sale, the, the the financial penalties, the sanctions, etc. Now you do wonder come the summer. Is he going to have had enough of this thing? I've done two years here, you know, uh, trying to manage one hand behind my back. Yeah. He would certainly be in demand from lots of other teams. You think of Crystal Palace, for example, who are probably going to be looking to make a change this summer. Mm-hmm. He's definitely somebody who will be on certain clubs' radar, especially those clubs who are, you know, I mean, Nottingham Forest, now he's got kind of boyhood attachments to Nottingham Forest as well. That's so, true, yeah. yeah. So, you know, although he's not everyone's favours, uh, and I, I totally agree with you about the style of football, having grown up watching that mid-80s team, I'm used to picking the style of Panache and Fire in football, but times have changed and we're no longer operating at that level anymore. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that would also be a concern, Max. So I, I'm not sure how long he's left on his contract, but certainly if that would... If we were to stay up, I could, I could see him being in demand for a number of clubs. Yeah, the the new Big Sam, I suppose, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the new firefighter. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to, to actually, to be fair to him, there at times when we've when we've had you know the majority of the team fit, that sort of mixture of uh, the you know long the direct ball. Let's put it let's put it that way: direct ball. Um, you know the passing game. Uh, the counter-attacking game. I mean, all of those were ingredients of that '80s team. You know, it was it was a mm-hmm. that '80s yeah. team could could, yeah. could pass. You know, put together pass, slick passing moves like the best of them, but they weren't afraid to go direct. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that that might be the sort of ultimate goal that he would go for. 
you know, when he, he talks about front foot football and, and getting it getting it forward as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was very much reminiscent of the 80s team. I just think <clears throat> right now that we are resorting to the long ball far too much. Um, maybe that's maybe that's on, on the players as much as it is the manager. You know, I think it's uh, when, when your kind of backs are against the wall, it's an easy way out, isn't it, just to, to relieve some pressure. So It is. And the worry about that is once you give the ball away in that situation, you're waiting a long time for it to come back. I, yes. I, I was kind of watching <clears throat> analyzing most of the games on Saturday. There were a couple of cases we've lost the ball in midfield. And I was taking this between like, you know, 75 and 90 seconds to win it back. And that's mm-hmm. a long time when you're behind the game to not have the ball because without the ball, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a simple matter of fact. You can't do anything without the ball. Yeah, and yeah, in terms of long ball, I, I know it's divided by lots of people. I, I don't understand why, but you know, even watching the Arsenal-Liverpool game at the weekend, you know, they, they went averse of one long balls when they felt they had to do. Yeah, no, it's I mean, it's always an effective tactic. I think the the key to it, obviously, is it's is accuracy. Mm-hmm. You know, often it's just with features just hoisting up there, and it, and it's meat and drink to the defenders. Um, but certainly, I mean, some of our uh, our most productive results um, have sort of have been a ball down the channel that, say, Calvert Lewin or, or Ducouré has, has gone to to chase down, and, and you can set up an attack from there. So, I mean, absolutely, it's a it's a tactic in the Arsenal, but. Um, Andy Howard, who unfortunately couldn't make it on this week, uh, but he was there on Saturday and he posted his um, top 10 observations of the game to our group chat. And numbers two and three were as follows. He says, Everton have become a very good side without the ball. Our shape, press and deep defending are now solid. He says, with the ball, Everton are at a toilet to the point where (laughs) you can't imagine they worked on, in quotes, the bit where you win it back at all. Bad decisions, weird decisions, awful execution, no obvious outfall. Um, unlike Spurs, who have athletes running towards the opposition goal in good patterns as soon as the ball is won, and I think there's a lot to that. There's mm-hmm. definitely a lot of a lot to, to be said for that. Um, but again, I come back to this this caveat of when we have all the personnel that Deitch would want there. I think we are a lot more. We're a lot closer to that than I yeah. think we were yeah. at times on Saturday. I think as well on Saturday, it, it, it showed how much we'd miss Garner Gay with him being away in the African Cup of Nations. I don't know about you, I was watching Senegal taking penalties, screaming that they'd lose because they just wanted Garner Gay back here for, for, for the yes. top of the game, which is a terrible way to look at things. But I just felt his role on Saturday, I think he played a bit further forward as well. He was winning possession back quite regularly. His distribution was of a decent standard as well. I just felt the team looked more comfortable in the middle of the park with this kind of reassuring, experienced presence there. Yeah, I've actually got it in my notes. I thought he was brilliant. I think he was terrific. I mean, he came, he, he came back just when we needed him. And I yes, I was I was wanting, unfortunately. Sorry to any Senegalese <laughs> listeners. I doubt we have any. But yeah, I was I was hoping that he'd come back as soon as possible because, you know, we really are stretching, particularly in that part of the field. If Anana's not there and Gomez is not there, you know, obviously Ducouré can, can drop back if needed. Um, it's it's a part of the field where we really really need we need his energy and I mean it was a it was an age defying performance from him really I think he was he was everywhere so I was, was yeah I was yeah. really yeah. pleased with him and James Garner is doing I, I you'd want a bit more from him I think creates creatively but I think he's doing so much on the other side of the ball that it's really hard to criticize mm. him because he is he's I think he's among uh, one of the top tacklers in the league mm. right now which obviously comes as no surprise to anyone who watches us. I think he's yeah. doing really, really well as well. 
But I mean, going back to Open Palace with the with the mid eighties team, one of the strengths in mid eighties was there were goals all, goals all over the midfield, and yeah. that's one area where we definitely. I'm not going to own on in particular. I think mm-hmm. we're, we're just not delivering enough goals from those midfield players. Yeah, it's true. You know, Ghana got a couple earlier in the season, didn't he? And I, I was yeah. kind of hoping that that would open the floodgates a bit for him because he's certainly got. I mean, he's got a he's got a wonderful uh, shot when it's you know when mm-hmm. when he wants to. But yeah, he's not getting into many of those positions. But again, I think he's. I think Deitch is asking him not to commit himself too far forward, you know, because of because of the need to to keep keep the defense tight. Yeah, I think with Garner's lack of pace, you can understand why Dyche is just a, you know why Dyche would have reservations about him pushing too far forward as well. Yeah, this this might follow on really in the same vein, but we've seen um, Dyche deploy Ben Godfrey uh, at mm-hmm. right back uh, uh, recently with Ashley Young and Seamus Cole, Coleman unavailable. Uh, it seems to be very much in the in the David Moyes and sorry to bring him up again, Sam Allardyce mold of <laughs> of sort of putting as many. Uh, robust, no-nonsense figures in defence. Uh, I think against Fulham and Spurs it worked, um, given the nature of, of those games and, and how much we needed to, to sort of grind out a point. Um, and it might be useful going with him again uh, in that position against Manchester City. But uh, is this something you'd like to see for the remainder of the season? And what do you think it means for, for Patterson, who's he struggled to, to sort of make that right-back slot his own, hasn't he? When you think me, Pat, that this is Patterson's um, third season here now. Yeah, he was signed by Benitez, wasn't he? And he's yet to nail down that regular right back, right back spot. So yeah. it does kind of raise a few questions as to why he's not been able to do that. He he, he didn't nail it down on the Lampard. He did nail, He's not nailed it down on Sean Dyche. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I accept when you're competing against Seamus Coleman, that, that, that that's quite a high standard to follow. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's been quite interesting that that. that and I suppose from Patterson's point of view, if you're thinking, hang on, I'm a Scottish international, I can't get on the pitch, but there's Ben Godfrey, who's not even a right back, playing out of position. It must put a few question marks in his mind as well. Uh, yeah, Godfrey, I mean, I thought, I've always felt quite ambivalent about, about Ben Godfrey. I, I think uh, at times he, he's looked a really good player. I think on the answer loss, we probably saw the best of Ben Godfrey. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm not underestimating the um, effect of that injury he received against Chelsea at the, st- the start of the previous season. And maybe it's taken a while to come up to to recover from that. But I thought on Saturday he had probably his best game for me for a long time. Uh, one thing he's always had is pace. Uh, and that can mm-hmm. sometimes get him out of the situation. In some ways, he reminds me a little bit of Kevin Rattler, who could make a mistake, but he had the pace to retrieve mm-hmm. the situation. And I can see Adam started Godfrey. He certainly adds another threat from set pieces if he goes forward because he, he, he's, a, he, he's a tall defender. He, he, he can create havoc in, in opposition penalty areas. So, you know, that, that was a definite plus as well. Um, not convinced about his crossing ability, but maybe he's not in the team for his crossing ability. Uh, no. And I think you made the point before, Lynn, about, you know, Tottenham's fluid fullbacks. I was looking at Undoggy in, in particular, and he was all over the park. He was in the middle of the park, then the right, then the left, and, and we didn't quite know how to pick him up. And I, I can't quite see Ben Godfrey fulfilling that role. But at the moment, if he was to say to me, who would I prefer to be full back, Godfrey or Patterson? I'd, I'd probably cut down on, on, in favour of Godfrey at the moment. But my first choice would obviously be Seamus Coleman. And you can see when he came on, when Godfrey was substituted, he just brought that experience to the back four again. And I, I can't recall him being beaten once by, by uh, on the flanks by the Tottenham players you know, when he came on. So, 
So, so, so what, what, what was your thoughts about Godfrey Lennon? You know, he's not he's not a fullback. You know, and I yeah. think we've we've really seen him in the last well at the times when he's been played when he's been playing right back. There have been weakness in his in his game that have been really exploited there. But as you say, he's mobile. He's physical. He's got the pace. He's got that recovery pace. And I think that for now, given the situation that we're in, you know, I'm quite comfortable for him being there because if we're not going to be playing a sort of, you know, a game where overlapping fullbacks are getting to the byline, then I think that, you know, if he's not going to be required to do that then and he can't do it, then fine, have him in the team to do, you know, what we need. He's an extra, he's, he's as I say, going back to that Moyes thing, that it's, it's the extra centre-half on the field, isn't it? Like they can really be helpful if you, if you need to. There's a lot I like about Nathan Patterson. Uh, and I think he actually shares this with Godfrey. Some of his spatial awareness and his positioning can be a little bit, a uh, little bit iffy. Um, but I, I almost, the way I'm looking at Patterson now is I think he might be more effective doing what Ashley Young did uh, on Saturday. That's playing that right midfield, mm-hmm. more of a right yeah. midfield role because he does get forward really, really well. Uh, I think his crossing can be good. Uh, he's, He's quite. He's very. He's quite good at the sort of playing the triangles. You know those neat little mm-hmm. passes down the right and sort of advancing us down the pitch that way, in a way that I don't think Godfrey is. Um, so I think there's definitely a role for him. But yeah, I feel I feel badly for Patterson because you, as you said, for him personally, he must be thinking, you know, what 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 do I need to do here? Uh, yeah. what, what what's what's the future hold for me? Um, you know, he's still young, and you know, because given given where the team currently is. Hopefully he's looking at it as a sort of a period of hmm. of a very choppy period for the club and a very kind of transitional period that maybe when he come when we come out of it that he can again try and stake his claim. I suppose from his personal point of view as well, you know, with Scotland being in the Euros this summer, he'd want to be playing regular football to ensure he's part of that Scottish squad and features in, in the games there as well. So he, you know, I'm sure I'm sure. I can't see Dice persisting with Godfrey for the rest of the season. I'm sure there will be opportunities for Patterson. I'm looking yeah. at the Crystal Palace game thinking that could be a, a potential game for him to come back into the team if Coma's not fit as well. But yeah, I say he's young, he's got time to decide. And, and like Godfrey, he, he's had two quite serious injuries, so maybe he's never quite built up that, that level or momentum mm-hmm. and that confidence that comes with playing a full season, getting that under your belt. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, what was your view of Ashley Young at the weekend? I I've been a critic of Ashley Young as a as a right back, but I think he performed very very well. And again, another another age to find a performance. I mean, to mm-hmm. think that he's thirty eight, yeah. and, and to put in the level of performance that he did for as long as he was on the pitch, I thought was was quite impressive. <clears throat> Obviously, you know the. the my big concern with him was he was being played sort of back to back to back in times when we were playing almost three games a week. And it was clear that that was starting to take a toll. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a bit more, you know, sort of squad rotation in that respect. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's obviously got the experience and his conditioning for someone of his age is, is fabulous. I mean, what did you make of him on Saturday? Yeah, I'll go along with your assessment there, Lyndon. I thought A played okay against Fulham on Wednesday uh, on Choose, choose your Wednesday nights. And uh, I, I thought he played well on Saturday. Um, I think he's more effective in midfield because he doesn't get exposed for, for his lack of pace sometimes playing there in midfield as well. Yeah. And I think you know, playing the short passing game in midfield quite suits well. He's good at covering. He's, he, he's good at, at getting back to help out the defence. So, and, and as you say, 
you, I don't think you can play him for ninety minutes because I just don't think he can he he can play at that level for ninety minutes. But Andy, but um, yeah, he, he he's definitely solved a bit of a problem for us in terms of our total lack of options that we've had in midfield this past seven days or so. Andy House just dropped in. Andy, <laughs> welcome, Andy. Hello, everybody. Sorry, Andy. I'm late. <laughs> no problem. How was the drive? <laughs> Yeah, not bad, thank you. I would say I was re- I would say I was reading the uh, the unofficial Everton timeline, and that was why I was late. But I, I, I was on the road, um, so sorry I'm late. But the drive back from London was horrific. So oh, really, uh, I'm pleased to be home. Weather wise, it was horrific. Um, the yes, you're right for once. Okay, good. Well, we were just we were just finishing talking about the Spurs game. I, I actually mentioned what you had put in the uh, in the group chat about your impressions of it. I did sort of. Numbers two and three of your uh, of your top ten impressions, but yeah, why don't you uh, give us a summary of how you saw the game, seeing as uh, you you were there and you got to see it in person? Yeah, I mean, I I was um, was I what was number two and three? Yeah, good side w- without the ball, yes, um, and with the ball, something completely different. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sums it up, right? I'm off. Um, uh, I was I was actually really impressed um, for 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 a decent parts of that game in terms of mm-hmm. how we'd come on. I think watching the game live is, 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 is different than, than watching on the telly. Um, and you, you pick up certain things that you just don't see from a television camera and you can look at the whole pitch and you can look at the whole picture really. Mm-hmm. And I was really, you know, just to double down on the point, I was really impressed with how we looked off the ball. I was really impressed with the organisation, um, regardless of who's playing in what position now. I mean, we had Ben Godfrey at right back. We had, Ashley Young playing in front of him. That's not the combination we've seen really much. And it just seems so organised And um, until the point where we got it back. And then you think, well, some of the strange, annoying, um, awful decisions with the ball uh, are the reason, you know, that we're not, um, we haven't got more points this season. But no, but over, overall, I, I was actually quite impressed. And I was even thinking at 2-1 down, even though I, you know, it, it was frustrating. I was thinking at 2-1 down with about 10 minutes to go, okay, I, I can still take a lot from this, I think. It was one of those days where I, I, I would have come away disappointed if we hadn't got the equaliser. But there would have been enough there for me to think, yeah, this is certainly going in the right direction. If this is us down to the bare bones, which, which we, we pretty much are in terms mm-hmm. of the, the options available to him. And that's how we play against a side that's certainly well oiled and better in a better place than we are um i was impressed and um and i thought the atmosphere was good um i thought it was a very supportive atmosphere it could have been a bit flat because of the the kickoff time and also um because of the last you know the week of the Luton game especially um but i thought the atmosphere was really good um i thought there was a kind of heightened sense of uh, Everton uh, with with the placards and um, with, yeah. with the kind of you know that that gave it an extra edge I think um, and I mean the, the the one thing that did really strike me is that the, the 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 Premier League and the referees have got really got themselves into a terrible hole here because even even the most kind of relaxed mild mannered Everton fan sitting in in Goodison Park on Saturday. Some of the decisions you think, crikey, there is some, there's something weird going on here. 
Um, and they've got themselves in a position now where it, they give a decision against Everton and it, and it just adds it adds another <laughs> layer of something yeah. onto it. Um, where usually in the middle of a kind of any average season, you might think, well, you know, we'll get one of those. We might not get that one. But I mean, at the moment, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking... Crikey, is there something in this? What's 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 happening? But that's the what the other thing that struck me. But um, but no, all in all, really impressed. Not knowing what you two have said about it, I don't know whether that's completely and utterly <laughs> kibosh the whole thing or what. But I, I was quite impressed. No, 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 not at all. I think I mean, certainly Paul saw it the same way that you did, and I think that we we sort of together came we sort of fallen back on yes, there's certain things that we would like to see that from the from the performance from the, when we got the ball in particular. But that, you know, we are, it's a kind of needs must situation. Uh, the players are, you know, clearly, clearly there's a sort of a lack of confidence in us going forward at the moment. And we're just sort of grind, trying to grind out as many, uh, as many points as possible. And I think you're seeing that reflected in, in the way that we're playing. I reference the fact that, you know, back in against Newcastle, we put together a 30 pass move and scored a goal, which proves that we can do it when I think all the right pieces are in there and the confidence is up. You know, I just think we need we need a we need a run of results. I think is going to help a run of a run of a few wins on the back. I think back we use all of our passes up for about three months. That's the problem. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> In that one move, um, yeah. shame they couldn't have level you know balanced out a little bit. Um, yes, but no, you're right. It's possible. It's possible. Um, it's possible. Yeah. It, you know, it got to the point on Saturday where I, I was sitting next to a a bloke I'd never met before and we were both saying the same thing is it's as if when they win the ball back it's as if they haven't actually thought about what the next bit is sometimes um and I know that's not the case it's a Premier League football club of course they would have worked on what happens when they get the ball but at a certain point you think how much are they working on on this because you know it's compared to Spurs uh, and I know they're in a better place. I know they've got a better squad. I know they've got, you know, had a little bit yeah, longer. They're a good team. But, a good team. you know, when, when they get the ball, you've got lots of people in the same on the same page. And when it clicks, you can see why they score a lot of goals. But I always felt there was a chance. I always felt that the way Spurs play, especially with us off the ball, looking quite good, they, they play out from the back. And I don't think they're that good at it yet. Um, and it, I always felt there was a chance in that game. Um mm. And um, and it turned out there was, but no, it was it was a positive day, I think. Uh, what was your? You can both sort of tell me what what your reactions to the goal, given the whole VAR thing. I mean, did you could you allow yourself to celebrate properly? Because like, this is the you know obviously there was a very good article by Matt Jones in the Echo about this. How how do you properly celebrate goals anymore? Well, it, it, it kind of takes away from the mass going experience, doesn't it? So, yeah. the, 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 like Andy, I was there on Saturday, and your first reaction is you, you instinctively you celebrate, but then you stop yourself because you, your first thing, you look at the screen, you look at the referee, mm-hmm. and then there's this kind of 30, 40 seconds where you're waiting to see if a decision is being made or not. And me, you've referenced before, Andy, about the officiating at, uh, on Saturday, and you know, I, I was, Chris Wilder's comments after the Crystal Palace game came to mind as well. And I just kind of thought that, you know, th- this is not going to go in our favour here. So I was, I, I was delighted. But I, I just think that the delay in giving decisions really is working against the masculine experience. And uh, I was saying, well, well, you know, I said to you before, then, you know, I pay my season ticket. I, I pay you know, a, a reasonable amount of money for us. 
I should know what the VAR decision is before the guy watching at home in his chair on BT or, or Sky Sports. Yeah, you, you look at other sports such as cricket and, and, and rugby union, rugby league, and the crowd kind of know what's happening and why the decision is being given. And I just find it incredibly frustrating that we're not allowed to even you know, to have any indication of what's going on and why it's going on. So it, it has kind of detracted from the match-going experience. Uh, I know one of the guys who sits next to me, he doesn't celebrate goals anymore. He just sits there and waits for me to tell him, yeah, it's being given. Mm. And, and that's all wrong at every level. I completely agree. And um, I have been to games with VAR. I've been to Everton games at Goodison Park with VAR. Um, but that was, Saturday was when it really did hit home to me that maybe it's the first one I've been to where we'd scored and it was like kind of all or nothing, wasn't it? At the end, it was either we'd got yeah. a point or we hadn't. Yeah. And it was everything. I, I was sitting, we were standing there for what, what, I don't know what it was, Paul. Was it two, three minutes where they made that decision at the end? It, it seemed a lot longer, but I think you're right, Andy. Yeah. And, and you thought to yourself, well, this is everything that's wrong with the game yeah. because football is a low-scoring sport. There are very few of these moments, if any moments, mm-hmm. like that in a game. You know, you might yeah. get a nil-nil. And uh, and to have that moment completely curtailed, really. I mean, yes, I did jump up and down, and yes, I saw the goal go in the. I saw the ball go in the net, but there was all. Then your mind kind of goes into a hundred miles an hour. Um, overdrive because you're thinking well Branthwaite did end up in the back of the net with a goalkeeper that could be a problem it hit somebody in the middle well who did it hit and yeah exactly and I don't know it just it does it it massively changes the experience and and I'll be completely honest it changes it changes the experience It, it made me enjoy it far less um than I would have if we just look. You, you always glanced across at the assistant, didn't you? And if the if the flag hadn't gone up and the referee wasn't pointing the wrong direction, you knew. Um, and it's just it's a second. You know, it was not even that. And now, it's not. I've said this before, but I, it's it's not the game I, I fell in love with. And and a lot of it is. A lot of it still is. But uh, that the the big bits now. You're right. You can't celebrate them, and if you can't celebrate a goal, I don't know really what you can celebrate. Really, exactly. Um, uh, and it's it just the takes it of does, the sport. <laughs> it, it does, yeah. It it just takes away the moment. Football's about moments. Football's a. It's also a, a, a fast changing game. Football. You know, we talk about other sports that have got technology. They don't. They don't. The swing of the game doesn't change as much as football does. I mean, you could be one down, one end defending a corner, and up the other end in seven seconds and scoring a goal. And it's that kind of speed and and you know the fluidity of football, which is what's so brilliant about it. And this just seems to just put a huge, great comma in the middle of a sentence that doesn't need to be there. Um, and it, it does take away from it. And you know, I if I was like Paul and paying every week effectively to go to watch the games. I'd be really thinking about what sport I'm watching, you know, these now. And it's a, that's such a shame. That's awful to say that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a really good point, Sandy, because I, mean, I also like, I, watch, I go to watch Triumph Rovers occasionally. I go to watch my local non league team, Marine, occasionally. And what you like about those experiences is when a goal is scored, you can celebrate it. You're not worried about a VAR decision, not looking at the officials. And it's the match experience that the likes of you, I, and Lyndon grew up with. You went to a match. 
it was offside. You knew it was a sense because the flag was raised, but it didn't. You didn't have this long, prolonged debate about whether to go or not. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, Lennon. Obviously, you watch. You have access to NFL, which you know, on a regular basis. Yeah, they they seem to have the technology to be far more efficiently operating than than what we have at the moment. They do, and the processes are much just as much more transparent. And I think what they benefit from is also they have a number of officials on the on the field, yeah. which I think helps. It's not just yeah. one person's opinion, or you know, and for whether that's a a biased opinion, is it a corrupt opinion? You know, it's all these allegations that we're we're all starting to throw at it now because we're so frustrated. There's a, there's a number of them who congregate and they hash it out together and they make a decision. And if necessary, they'll go to the to the monitor. And then the the umpire will will come the referee will come back on the field and he'll you know click his button and he'll tell the crowd what the decision is, and I mean for the most part I mean obviously they have they have some contentious ones and I think in this last season there was a very contentious one where you know, they got the decision wrong but for the most part there is a level of trust in the process that I just at the moment does not exist at all in the Premier League and I think the damage that's being done to the integrity of the league. And the image of the league, it just surprises me that, that they're not taking greater steps to address this. That the, the, the semi-automated offside technology exists. The ability to micro to mic the referees up to address the stadium obviously exists. They do it in rugby union very very well. Um, you know, the, the ability to speed up the decisions. I think they, they just have to. But I think first and foremost, they could just. Just take a step back and and involve the referee, the, the VAR, a lot less. You know, it has to just scale it back to to the most critical decisions and the ones where there's there's clearly either an error being an error has been made or it's just such a such a tight call that it, you know you need a couple of extra eyes on it. It just seems to be far too intrusive. And this accusation that they're re-refereeing games, I I feel like that now. I feel like. Either the referee on the field <clears throat> is going to defer a difficult decision because the VAR will have a look at it, and you know the heat's not on me. Uh, you know, rather than make a, a sort of a judgment call on the field, I just let it go. Uh, and then you've obviously got the the situation where the people in the VAR room don't want to go across, uh, go against their mate on the field because it's you know they, they've got to go back and, <laughs> and 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 have tea with them, obviously, or whatever at Stockley Park the next week, uh, whatever, whatever the reason is. I think you know that the. Uh, a, situ- a, a situation we had before that was very much based on on human error and human considerations. You've got human considerations that are now affecting it in a different way, and it's not any better. So I think it just needs to be completely reformed. And I'm surprised that that the Premier League seems to be so resistant to making it more transparent. I mean, them going on on Sky Sports to talk about an incident that happened two months ago. I mean, that's not transparency. That's just that's just lip service, you know. To me, I, I think it just needs to be far more transparent. I agree completely. Uh, I, I'm lucky enough to commentate on some games, and um, I did the Bristol Rovers Oxford game um, mm-hmm. in League One a couple of weeks ago, and it was like kind of what Paul was aiming at getting at. It, it was so liberating because obviously I'm I'm a, I'm a commentator, so I'm not celebrating as such. But even from my point of view, like I can explain what's happened, and yes, it's a goal. Um, quite easily and it's obvious that it's mm-hmm. either being right. given or it's not but then it was lovely looking around like Bristol Rovers won that game and there was it was you know a big game and and you just look around and the fans are like 
some Rovers fans were, were turning around to their mates and re, you know, and. Uh, but how could you ever turn around? Because you want you, you can't turn around when there's VAR because you can't let yourself kind of be in the no. moment because you might look like a bit of an idiot in three minutes' time when it's all. I mean, I, I think um, I, I think if Branthwaite's goal had been disallowed for whatever reason, I I, I don't know what would have happened there because <laughs> it, that would have been the biggest cherry yeah. on the icing on the cake, wouldn't it? For, for everything that's going on. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just it's just so liberating without it, and that says it all, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, final thoughts on the Spurs game. We we were chatting, uh, Paul and I, about uh, that the sort of the Ben Godfrey, Nathan Patterson, that right back role. Any thoughts on on that, and also Ashley Young's performance? I thought Godfrey did okay. Yeah. Um, both goals came from that area, mm-hmm. which is what I would say. Um, again. Um, whether that was directly down to him, I, 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 I don't know, but, um, I think, I think there was a, there was a marked difference when Coleman came on, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of how much, I don't know, just someone playing in their specialist position just makes a huge difference, I think. And someone with a yeah. bit of experience like he's got, obviously he won't have the pace of Godfrey, especially against some of those Spurs players who are quick, but he just kind of knows where to be and what to do. And I just think it it, it showed. Um, I'm a bit worried for Nathan Patterson, if I'm completely honest, because yeah. if he's not playing now, then when is he going to? I I, um, I, I don't know. Um, I, as for Young, I mean, I, well, just just to cut cut that story short, I'd pick. I still pick Coleman. I mm, still pick yeah, Coleman every yeah. week if he was. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Um, as for Young. I thought he did well. Um, I've not seen an awful lot of Ashley Young, especially in the in the flesh. Um, I thought he did what he had to do quite well. He again, he was in the right position off the ball. He put in some cracking balls into the box, and I think there's that kind of um, there's that kind of um, appreciation from whoever's running into the box that the ball was going to come in, and you can tell he hadn't played there an awful lot because if he's doing that every week you'd think someone would be gambling on the fact that he's going to do it I think he's you know maybe he's got a little bit more quality than the players that have been playing there from that area and uh, I thought he, yeah I thought he did well um I didn't think he was outstanding but I thought he did well um yeah. and it just gives us another option doesn't it it gives us somebody else that can play out there um who Deitch obviously will, will trust to play there uh, I did think Dobbin looked quite bright when he came on um and I was I was saying to the guy next to me I didn't actually get his name I should have got his name we had a, we had a lovely <laughs> chat uh, a lovely chat he he was very weathered by the whole thing he'd been there every week for the last yeah. few years and uh, and he was telling me oh yeah I'll do this in a minute oh yeah he was kind of quite he was quite tired of the whole thing I, I was kind of fresh and hey this is great um, but he was saying that um, with young playing there and. Um, it just gave us a, a chance to move things around or, or, or an option anyway. And, and the players, mm. I mean, we, we were both saying, but if Dobbin came on, if Spurs play that high line, all it needs is one good clip over the top. Right, right, yeah. And it kind of it kind of worked a bit. Um, I thought he looked quite bright. I don't know whether he's ever going to play the kind of 90 minutes in the Premier League for us, but um, it was a ni- it was nice to see him come on. But no, no young, young was fine. Young was fine. And... If it allows us to be um, slightly more um, kind of, it, it, if it allows him to spread the load, um, you know, it's 
what, what was our uh, did, did Young and Coleman ever play together down the right? I don't think they did. I would love to have totted that age up. Um, <laughs> um, a lot. No, a I lot. don't think they did. <laughs> but no, they, I yeah. think they both came out of the game with credit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, your comments about Dobbin more or less reflect what Paul and I were saying. Uh, yeah, he's he's a useful, definitely a useful super sub. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, on to Saturday then. Um, I'm not too sure that there's much to say about this one. I mean, Pep Guardiola has Haaland back, De Bruyne back, Foden scoring hat-tricks. Uh, they're back within two points of Liverpool at the top, so they're not about to ease off the pedal. Uh, and yet, thanks to Damari Gray, wonder goal at the end of 2022, we snagged the point in this fixture last season. So uh, we don't, I, mean, I guess we don't travel without hope. Do we? <laughs> well, you always have to travel with hope. And I think also from that game you referred to there as well, Lyndon, Ben Godfrey did a really good job of winding up uh, Harland during That's the game true, as well. That's true, he did. That's so, very true. So that might just merit his inclusion in the side again, just to knock Harland off his stride. Yeah. I mean, realistically, we're going to sort of get him from the game, aren't we? Um, yeah. I think, I mean, two things to consider. I think, one, if we lose, I don't lose heavily because I'm quite concerned that Luton's goal difference is getting closer to ours at the moment mm-hmm. where... It, a few weeks ago, there's quite a significant gap between the two teams. Um, I just think we go, we go there, we sit back, we try and hit them with set pieces, and, and we you know if we can somehow claw the point from that that game, that would be fantastic. I don't kid myself here, but you you're a football fan, you have to have hope, don't you? Or you yeah, know, maybe we get a lucky break in the first five minutes or so. I think one thing about City and and. When we played the Gunners early in the season, at one each, you know, the game was evenly balanced and it was a penalty decision that turned the game in City's favour. So Dice obviously had a way of playing in that game that was quite mm-hmm. affected. Now, I'm sure he's learned from that. I'm sure it's going to be a, a kind of repetition of those tactics. So I, I don't want us to go there and lose heavily, but if we can go there, hang in, restrict their chances, limit them to maybe shots from outside the box and maybe from a set-piece conjure something, then there's the outside chance we might get something. Uh, but realistically, I'd be quite happy to lose 1-0, 2-1 and, and uh, look towards the Crystal Palace game. Which, in terms of our season, to me, the Crystal Palace game is one of the masses. I, I, I can take it, beat Man City. We absolutely have to get three points off Crystal Palace. Yeah, I, I was going to try and be positive as well. Um, and I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what else I can throw it apart from what I mean, it, 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 I never like saying things are a free hit. Um, I think this one is. I really do. I, I mean, we don't expect anything from the fixture. Um, they are coming on strong again, as they always do at this time of year. Um, one thing I will say is we have played well away from home this season. Um, mm-hmm. And we've been able to use what tools we have effectively away from home, where sometimes at home we haven't been able to use those same tools. Um, I think I'm coming to the end now of the positives. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I mean, you know, could, could, could be on your wildest dreams. Could you see Everton getting a point? Of course you could. Of course you could. A lot has to go our way. Uh, and it has to stay nil for a little bit longer than it did Saturday. Um, because I think if the same thing happens at the Etihad, we will have a different result. But, um, you know, uh, if we came away with a point, that would be magnificent. I think it's really important, like Paul said, that if we are going to lose the game, that we don't lose it heavily. Um, because uh, Luton have got Sheffield United, haven't they? Yeah. So 
why are we this is this was the other thing that really got to me (laughs) it really got to me on saturday we were driving home because we came home after the game and we called in to get some uh, food to eat on the in the car on the way home and i turned on the radio and it said and luton are four to up and i felt all of those emotions of the last two seasons just flooding back through my body and my partner said cool you look quite stressed about that. And I said, I shouldn't be. I should not be stressed about a Luton game in February. This is not where I should be in my life. <laughs> but it just brought all of those memories back of kind of, oh, what are they doing? Who have they got? Oh, he's injured. He's not. Oh, my God. Um, so it, anyway, it might get a little bit worse before it gets better, I think. Um, if they, if they, I, I expect them to beat Sheffield United the way they're playing, but even you know, if they even if they get a point, I, I think we've got to accept it. It might get a, a point or two worse before we then have a chance to get some of these um, you know, points back. As the table stands at the moment, obviously by the time this all happens, by the time Crystal Palace come to town, we may be in a different position altogether by then. Who knows? But in terms of the way it, the way it looks now, um, it, it could be a bit of a scary weekend for looking at the table. I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I think um, I, I agree with all of basically what you've said. I think there's there's opportunity, you know, because they, they obviously play a high line. That Not that we're the greatest on the break at the moment without Decore, but, you know, obviously there's there's always a chance if you can get Calvert-Lewin or, say, Harrison sprinting away by the high, behind the defence. We've obviously got the set-piece threat, um, the way that, you know, we've been set up away from home. We've certainly done well this season. Uh, my, I suppose my concern of sort of dreaming of a repeat of of last time is that with um, with Dwight McNeil sort of being off form right now, and I think um, what's going on in his personal life, I, I imagine, is what is playing into that right now. I think he's clearly got uh, other issues that are affecting his form. I mean, without him sort of being on form and, and without Jack Harrison really sort of looking confident at, at sort of shooting from long range. I don't really see there's anyone in the team who can kind of repeat what Damari Gray did. So I think we may be looking more at this kind of the set piece threat, uh, which is fine. I mean, at the moment, you know, how, however the games, however the goals go in, I don't care. We just need, we just need to score some goals, but uh, yeah, I agree. It's, it's going to be tough. And I think, yeah, as, as, if we can limit the damage, then Obviously, the Crystal Palace one, the Crystal Palace game, is is the more important one, and and honestly, the 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 more time goes on, Luton are probably the team that we won't be concerned with as much as the Palaces, the Forests, and maybe Brentford. I think Brentford with Tony in the side, I think Brentford have got too much because they've got Ivan Tony, but Palace, and there's obviously there's rancor off the field. They've got injuries piling up. Forest have obviously just lost Chris Wood. They may have a points deduction. I mean, obviously, this whole, as you say, Andy, by the time the Crystal Palace game rolls around, we may have a, a decision from the appeal, and we may be in a different position altogether. You know, we may be, we may be, uh, we may be looking at even worse because of the second charge. We may be looking better because we've got some points back. Who knows? But certainly, whatever happens, our chances of picking up points are uh, far more likely um, against Palace on the nineteenth. But um, I mean, neither were of you were on the last part where I asked the, the asked the fellas about the appeal and whether you thought that we might get anything back. Do you have what? Are you, what are your spider senses telling you will happen, based on nothing at all? <laughs> well, based on us being Gareth, I'm, I'm expecting absolutely nothing to happen. I, I, yeah. I think, and things will say as they are. Or 
by some miracle, we get four or five or six points back, and then we lose them again on the second sanction at the end of the season. So, <laughs> I, 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 I have no optimism at all about this outcome. Uh, so, I'm, I'm sure Lawrence. Rabinovitz will do a superb job in terms of representing the club and yeah. could end up getting himself hero status and the permanent place on the toffee timeline if he if he gets to those points rescinded, but we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> see, based on absolutely nothing, obviously, uh, I'm kind of the other way. I, I well, maybe it's because I'm, uh, as I've said on this pod before, I'm naive. Um, uh, that I think at some point there has to be some common sense applied um, because what's coming down the road for the Premier League is potentially much bigger than Everton and Forest being in a bit of trouble. You yes. know? Um, I just think at some stage, somebody has to have some common sense Um and I don't know why I think that, that, again, that's based on absolutely nothing because there's been none so far. But um, I, I still don't see, fundamentally, I still don't see how you can punish a member of an, a, a, an association or, 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 a, or a club um, for something that's in the rules, but you never said what the punishment is. I still don't know how you can enforce something that you don't you've made up. Um, now, maybe I'm naive, but surely, um, surely a, a really good lawyer um, is going to pick that apart. I I, I don't know. Um, I don't. I know. I know he was there on Saturday, wasn't he? <laughs> Yes, I was going to ask, did you see him? Uh, I didn't, no, I didn't. I, I can't give you any body language kind of inside information. Um, but, um, he had a big smile on his face from the pictures I saw. But... Yeah, true. Um, I think oh, yeah. that was just his newfound celebrity, I think. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, 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 have, I have a sneaky feeling that um, we may get something back. Um, and therefore... It might. Well, we could end up where we are now, couldn't we? If if let's say we get half the points back and we also get done for half the points in the next one, we could be kind of back to a hole. Um, yes, that's my that's my that's my feeling. That's my that would be my guess. If I were to put money on it, I'd say we get five of five of them back, and then they, you know, or four of them back, and then they just tack them back on. Or, again. or, or maybe I have a a sneaking suspicion that they may use a suspended punishment, which I think actually would be quite clever. Yes. Um, in the circumstances. Yeah. Uh, and again, we've not seen much clever come out of that organization for a while, but it, it, that would strike me as, as a kind of a, okay, you've been very naughty boys. And, you know, if, if, if we see a similar thing in the next few years, mm-hmm. then this is going to be bad. Um, I can understand that might work, but I don't know. Um, I, I think, I think I've, I've kind of, I've almost got myself out of the, the automatic thing that I was doing to begin with was, oh yeah, but actually we're 12. Oh yeah, but actually we're 11th. I haven't thought like that for about three or four weeks. No, me it's, kind of, it's kind of gone back, as I was saying about the Luton, you know, the Luton effect, it, it's kind yeah. of gone, gone back to that. Oh, we really are 18th, aren't we? Um, um, but you're right. I don't think Luton are the ones we're going to be chasing. I, I think um, I think there are a few teams there that that we can we can quite 
quite easily chased down. And mm-hmm. Palace, I'm I'm hoping the floor falls out of Palace. Um because um what are they five points ahead of us, but they've yeah. got we've got them coming up. That that could be taken down to two, and then I think it's anybody's really. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks, fellas. Enjoy the chat. Um Fingers crossed the uh, the, ne- the the pod will be back next week to discuss Everton having taken something from the Etihad like we did last season. Uh, if you uh, haven't checked out Paul Trail's account from his visit to Everton HQ at the Royal Liver Building uh, to see the new hospitality offerings that will be at Bramley Moor Dock uh, on toffeeweb.com, do give that a read and listen to the accompanying podcast. Uh, on a personal note, my first Everton book that I co-wrote with Steve Dickinson entitled the unofficial Everton timeline the Mashiri is it's officially released on Wednesday the 7th of February uh, it's part reference book part historical narrative uh, on the past eight years under Farhad Mashiri and it's available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback uh, and if you enjoy reading my stuff on Toffee Web it'll certainly feel familiar and it would mean the world if you picked up a copy left a review on Amazon to get the uh, the book some exposure uh, while you're there why don't you grab yourself a, pocky, a copy of Paul's book The Forgotten Champions uh, about Everton's 1987 title winning side which when I search for the unofficial Everton timeline on Amazon is the next result down so I mean it just makes sense really you just have to do it um, you can get Paul's book in hardcover for just £11.55 right now highly recommend it anyway uh, enough pitching <laughs> until next time Blues thanks for listening Thanks for your support, and of course, up the toffees.